It's our second episode of April, Kyle. Is it still April? <laughs> it is not technically still April, but okay. we're just just a stage beyond. April. It's fine. Again, as it's we've mentioned okay. several times before, time is a flat circle. It's a weird soup. It's all made up. <laughs> we're just working on stuff when we have time to do the things. Absolutely. We know our members are busy. Uh, we are busy. Uh, we've got some great uh, activities and events coming up in May. Uh, we have National Committee Week. We have all of our national committees, our standing committees, uh, coming into the Alexandria, Virginia area and uh, having our first in-person National Committee Week in, in two years. Two years. So it's Since been... Yeah, well, it's technically last... more like three years because yeah, so, the last time we were yeah. in person was 2019. 2019. So that's really exciting. We're so thrilled to see everybody up close and personal and have these great conversations about uh, what the association can be doing better, what the association is doing well, and um, and really get member input. And so special shout out to the communications committee. Um, we And we our really unbiased opinion, our, our favorite committee. <laughs> and then right after National Committee Week, we roll right into National Golf Day. Melissa's favorite uh, day of May the 11th. year. It is my favorite day of the year, and uh, this is the 14th presentation of National Golf Day. I've had the oh privilege gosh. of being involved in every one of them, but this is the second uh, year in a row that we have done a virtual presentation, and that's mainly because the, the Hill really isn't open to meetings in person. Um, so it's a great opportunity because it means anybody from around the country can participate, um, just giving of their time and not having to invest in the airfare, the hotel, and all the the cost to be here in D.C., although it is a beautiful time of year to be here. Yeah. Um, so we're really excited. There's going to be more than uh, 250 participants, and we have a, a stellar number. Uh, the CMA's entire advocacy committee will be participating um, as traditional, but we also have um, a good number of CMA members who've signed up outside of that, which is great. So I'm I'm really excited uh, to dive into that, and we will we'll talk more yeah, about National Golf Day and those issues in our next episode. I think right, we'll give a little bit more of a deep dive. We can do a recap of the day's events, what was covered, what issues were brought before, um, you know, members of Congress and and Melissa can kind of give the rundown on on what that experience is like. And I totally agree. I think it's really cool that it's being done in a virtual manner because it does really open up the accessibility um, to people from all over the country, you know. Air, airfare is a little expensive right now. I don't know if anyone knows that. <laughs> Flying can be a little bit uh, cost prohibitive. So being able to participate in something as impactful as National Golf Day um, from, you know, the comfort and ease of your office is pretty great. Um, and you can kind of dip your toes in the waters of advocacy a little bit uh, and, and see what that's like. Yep, absolutely. So we will talk about that um, in our upcoming editions in May, but today we are going to dive into, you know, this the, the important relationships uh, at your club. And we have the opportunity to talk to David Porter, CCM, the general manager, and Jason Miller, the director of golf course operations with at Greystone Golf and Country Club in Birmingham, Alabama. Beautiful club. It's nestled in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. And it's a uh, gated community. So not only do they have beautiful clubhouses, 
and two 18-hole golf championship golf courses, but they've got their members living on property, which is it, has pretty incredible challenges <laughs> and uh you know and, and it's incredible you know it creates that incredible community so we really got a chance to talk with both dave and jason about um, what exciting stuff is going on at the club and um what the importance of the relationship between the gm and the director of golf course operations and how that benefits the members um, and each of them individually so let's uh let's dive into that interview we are thrilled today to be talking to David Porter, CCM, and Jason Miller with Greystone Golf and Country Club in Birmingham, Alabama. I surfed your phenomenal website, uh, was looking for some details on your community, and it, it looks like a pretty amazing place. So we're very excited to be talking with you today about your club, about what's going on, and about how you work together um, in, in your roles. So first off, um, Dave, I'm gonna throw this to you. To start, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you've worked at Greystone. Thanks, Melissa. Um, we're excited to be with you today. We, um, I've been at Greystone for seven years, and uh, my whole career has been in club management. I've been in CMA since I was a student at Widener, um, and then worked in um, four different clubs throughout my career. Worked at White Manor Country Club in Malvern, Pennsylvania. I worked at Westmoreland Country Club. Um, in Wilmette, Illinois, and at Belfair in Bluffton, South Carolina, and then I was fortunate enough to come to Greystone. So it's uh, it's been a great career, and this has been the best part of it so far. Jason, I'll throw you the same question. All right. Uh, thank you, Melissa. I have uh, had the pleasure of being here a little over 22 years now. Uh, so I'm here quite a while. Actually came here uh, straight out of college after I graduated from the University of Tennessee's turfgrass program. I uh, started off as an assistant on our legacy golf course uh, in the grow-in stage over there. Uh, I had plans of working here a couple of years and going back north to become a superintendent uh, where I grew up in Tennessee. Uh, but things have just worked out wonderfully where I'm, where I'm at, and I've had the, the pleasure to grow and, and, and climb the ladder here at Greystone, and uh, I feel very blessed. Uh, uh, to have done that and be in the opportunity and the position I am now. Wow, that's amazing. Anytime we talk with folks who have, you know, 20 plus years at the same club, that's pretty amazing, um, certainly in our industry. So that's, that's awesome. So it sounds like you guys have worked together about seven years. Can you speak to me a little bit, Dave, about what that's like? It's been amazing. Um, you know, for me, the a lot of superintendents and general managers might not have the same relationship, but um, for me, the superintendent, director of golf maintenance, director of agronomy, those titles get thrown around a little loosely. I mean, it's a you're you're operating a huge facility, uh, especially in our case, we have two locations, and we also have a lawn care division. We take care of people's personal property, so Jason has a lot on his plate, plus all our common grounds. Um, but for me, the number one position of department heads for me is always building the best rapport. It's the most important position is the director of golf maintenance. Um, my other department heads are amazing and I love them, but our biggest asset is out there. He needs to make sure I need to make sure he has all the tools he needs um, and anything I can do for him to support him and being knowledgeable just enough to be dangerous um, so that he doesn't feel like I'm micromanaging him, but he res I think, I hope, I pray that he knows that I know enough to respect my opinions and my uh, process that I help him with. 
I mean, I think I think overall, I mean, I'm blessed to have Jason. I mean, his follow through is insanely good, and his skills, his knowledge, he's got the whole balance package, and he gets it. And when I say that, there's a big difference. Like I could, and I know he wouldn't want to do it, but he would do it for me if on Easter Sunday we didn't have anybody standing at the podium to greet people. He'd put a suit on and do it for me because he's a team player. You know, whenever we need to do something that's unrelated to golf, and he, he always raises his hand for me. Um, and that's understand the big picture that we're here for the members. Um, I'm going to make sure I take care of you, but I need you to help me with some of these things because there's no one else qualified to take care of it. So it's kind of it for, for in a nutshell for me. Jason, what do you think is that key to maintaining that relationship between your your roles? Uh, I think it's several things. I think first and foremost is communication, which we have a great line of communication. Um, outside of that, trust and support. I mean, uh, Mr. Porter's been very supportive of all things that uh, we do from day one. Um, and that that goes a long way because um, there's, you know, a lot of challenges that come up over time, especially the markets we're in now in the labor market that we're having to deal with and, you know, the materials market as well. I mean, there's a lot of variances and stuff, stuff's not planned. And uh, so I think communication and trust uh, is vital there. And like I said, he's uh, always very supportive and uh, always, you know, I, I may send him a message on Friday afternoon. Hey, we're really struggling with people. And uh, this is the, the guy that will be, uh, searching for jobs and I'll have eight resumes hit my inbox in 30 minutes. I mean, so, I mean, he's, uh, willing to do whatever he can to help out and then so supportive in so many ways. I mean, I can't say enough about that. So tell us what's new for your club. What's on, what's, uh, what's exciting that you're working on right now? Um, Gosh, you caught that at a good time. We have so, I mean, this place is exploding. I mean, I know a lot of clubs are doing well with membership during COVID and post COVID and we've been part of that group and we're really proud of it and excited about it to deliver, you know, more experiences for the members. So the first thing that's new for us is we've just, uh, we're coming into closure and coming to fruition of opening um, a lakeside activity center. So next to our pool, we have a beautiful lake that's on the golf course at Founders number nine, and it's adjacent to the pool. And we had two uh, hard true tennis courts there. Um, from original, our developer put four hard true tennis courts next to the pool. Well, later on, they went and built a tennis complex that by road is two miles away. And so then two in the bottom from the original became abandoned just because of the way that they were built, the water would flow downhill on them and we could never keep them dry. So now we're left with two tennis courts up there and this whole other complex. So we took the abandoned courts as step one and we put in a basketball court, four pickleball courts. Uh, we dredged the lake there, which Jason was part of that, getting that done. And we've stocked it with fish. We've got some pedal boats for the members. So we can really have more lifestyle activities over there and um, some green grass space as well. So that's just a small, for us, that's what we're doing right now. And five years ago, if you asked me, that would have been a huge project and we would have been so excited and we're still excited, but it's uh, small in the scheme of things now. 
um, because we're doing so well with membership. So we've actually at our legacy golf course and clubhouse this June 1st, we're going to be closing down for four months and we're going to be redoing the golf course, uh, new greens, new tees, new bunkers, some other small projects on expanding some of the tees. And then we're going to be renovating the clubhouse, adding about 30% uh, more space, be about 3,000, uh, 3,500 square feet. Plus our outdoor patio is going to go uh, three times its current size. Um, so we're really excited about that. We don't have a bar over there currently. It's a developer's clubhouse, meaning it's beautiful, doesn't necessarily function the way we would want it to. So we're going to correct a lot of those aspects. Um, plus we're going to have two bars, one inside and then a beautiful outdoor bar as well for the members. So our legacy golf course, that location is just more of a destination in the sense of the way it feels over there. You feel like you're maybe in Asheville, North Carolina, the, the mountain ranges are a little bit taller there. Um, and the setbacks on the homes are further back. So when you're sitting on that patio, you're looking at, um, it's man-made, but a waterfall coming off through the golf course and you're looking at beautiful vistas. You can't even see any homes. Um, so it's a really nice setting that we're going to be real proud of. And of course the golf course is going to be top notch. Um, when we're done with that as well, we're working with Reese Jones on that project. So, and we're working with chambers on the clubhouse project. So we're really excited to have, you know, association with some top professionals that we're working with on it. Sure. It sounds like a fabulous project. Are you facing any challenges? You know, obviously you guys have, you mentioned two courses and, and two clubhouses. Um, any challenges on accommodating those members at your other location in the summer? Or um, is that just the benefit of having two locations? Um, it's still going to be a challenge because we have enough members to, for the two golf courses. So sure. we, uh, we try to get creative. We have a lot of trips planned with our director of golf. We're going to try to lean on some of the incredible uh, golf professionals and general managers out there to help us in the country so that we can take our members away. So maybe a pro and 15 members are going over to Atlanta, which is maybe a one night trip. Maybe we'll take them, you know, further away for a week type of trips and then some local ones. And then we're going to try to have some fun in the scheme of uh, some skills competitions, maybe create top, top golf experience out on the driving range a couple times a month at night try to get their mind off it. Um, and then lastly, reciprocity with the other area clubs that are uh, willing to let us have it. The challenge in the summer is actually in Alabama, horses are busy, but they tend to have peaks and valleys because we are so close to the ocean and we're so close to so many lakes. And then thirdly, airification. So um, everybody's gonna is trying to look for reciprocity when they're under airification, especially if they have one golf course. So. We know we're going to face our challenges, but we'll be open seven days at the other, at the Founders Golf Course, and uh, we're trying to find, you know, the appropriate time for Jason to get some maintenance done as well. So every other Monday, we will close at noon, and open, and and that con uh, congruently with the Tuesdays, we'll open at noon. So close at noon on Monday, open at noon on Tuesday, and that'll be every other week. So. At least we can get him to be able to have some time out there without members around. It sounds but like you guys are going to have a very busy summer. It's going to be crazy, but we're excited about it. Wouldn't have it any other way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, anything else on the horizon coming forward? No. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, please. 
also while we're doing that this summer uh we're in the process at founders or other golf course we're creating uh uh bill bergen is in the process of completing a master plan uh for the redesign of it um part of that will be a new irrigation system which once he's completed his work with the master plan we'll turn it over to the irrigation architect to create a plan for us which we will uh, enact next year in 2023 we'll be replacing the uh, irrigation system on the founders golf course which is a 30-year-old hydraulic system which is very antiquated and outdated so i'm very excited about that and that to jason's point that'll lead us into that master plan and we're setting up this master plan with bill bergen the original architect on our golf course is bob cup unfortunately bob passed away a few years ago so bill actually worked with bob when he built the founders got or designed the founders golf course so we wanted somebody who would uphold the bob cup integrity of it and um not necessarily somebody that would want to come in and make it their own even though we want bill's stamp on it we want to make sure the integrity is still there with being bob cups um, so we're really excited about that because he's setting it up so that we can do it over a two or three year period, those improvements and that the irrigation will already be planned for those improvements. So I'd say by the end of 26, we'll be hundred percent done with that as well. So we'll then have two brand new golf courses, renovated clubhouse over there, and then it'll be time to jump on our clubhouse over here at Foundry. So we'll keep something going all the time. It's a never ending cycle. <laughs> Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> we're doing well, though. I mean, uh, we're minimal, uh, min minimal impact on the members from the standpoint financially. We uh, it's a thirty-six hundred dollar assessment that spread out over three years, interest-free, and um, or they could pay it lump sum and have a discount. So, in in the scheme of some assessments I've seen in my career, uh, I think it's really good and. We coupled that with some self-funding and coupled it with a little bit of debt. So uh, I think we put ourselves in a good position to balance for everybody simultaneously raising the initiation fee. So, I mean, golf is king. So people, uh, what we're trying to do is make sure we're taking care of those assets properly, but then at the same time, making sure that we're give, improving all our lifestyle amenities because um, golf is not everything that everybody's looking for today. I mean, they want, they want balance. So the pickleball courts will be full and our tennis program's thriving. So we got to make sure we're balancing. Absolutely. It sounds like you've got great master plans coming up. So, you know, just to wrap for our last question, we talked about the relationship between the general manager and the director of golf operations, uh, golf course operations. Um, what do you think is the importance factor uh, for the success of the club? I mean, to me, it's monumental. Um, I mean, I don't think if, if it's not a good relationship, I and mean, I've been down that road before, um, and as eventually if it's if it's uh, toxic enough, somebody has to go. Um, and a lot of times, you know, what happens is if the general manager comes after the superintendent, that's probably the hardest because the general manager has to prove themselves to them, and um, you, you really have to make sure that you're going to be a good team. The other way, if the other person doesn't make it, general manager with possibly a committee gets to hire who they think is going to be the best, and then the pressure's on the GM to make sure they hired the right person. But um, in this case, I was very fortunate to already know of Jason. I didn't know him, but I knew of him, and 
how much respect he had by his peers and everyone um, in the in the country club community. And he's absolutely exceeded my expectations. Um, I thought I had worked with some amazing uh, superintendents in the past, and Jason's uh, just even more of a joy to work with because he's he's got the balance. He's not going to be too aggressive um, for no reason, just to try to prove something to himself. And he's not going to be too timid to let anybody run over him. Um, so that, that relationship is so critical because everything starts with the golf in a country club that has golf. It really does. I mean, if you're going to, everybody eats, but they can go anywhere to eat. Um, you know, we want them to come to the club, but they can go anywhere. They can only go to their club, whichever one they choose to play golf, unless they want to play public. And we feel like we want to make sure we have the best product. So the way that he has to have the best product is having the right tools, which is up to me to make sure he has those, make sure he has the right support, which is up to me to have that. And it's up to me to make sure that we have the highest standards and that he agrees with them and that we develop those standards together. So I think that more than anything, it's your greatest asset financially and your greatest asset to have members. So to me, there's no other relationship that's more important. And uh, I'm very fortunate to have him on my team. He's probably the number one reason why I want to stay working here. Honestly, members are great. Rest of the team's great. But um, if I can't work with him, it probably would change a lot of my decision making in my career. Great words to hear, I'm sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Throw it over to you, Jason. I was going to say. No pressure there. I mean, the short answer for me is, uh, I mean, it's to me, it's vital. I mean, the impact Mr. Porter's had since he's been here, I mean, who knows? I would have probably been on down the road if it had been him that, that came in when he did. But I think one of the things about him is he, he always challenges us, and especially for a guy like myself who's been at the club for 22 years. Uh, I think that's important and we have other employees who are longer tenured is for us to be challenged and not stagnant in our thought processes. So I, I think that's uh, one of the greatest things that Mr. Porter does is he continually challenges us, um, especially myself. You know, I think I already kind of elaborated before on the, on the support uh, that he has for us. And it, I mean, I've never had support like that from, a GM on that level, and it's um, uh, I, you know, it means a lot to me and to my team. And not only do I know that I have that support, but my team does as well. And I think that's that's critical. And I think one of the biggest things is governance. That um, I don't want to go over our time, but I think the more that uh, general managers can push as hard as they can once they've built their credibility with their board, can push for a little more autonomy. Um, then I think it, it helps that relationship for the GM and the director of golf maintenance, but it also helps the club and the team. It starts to send mixed messages when you have a 25 year greens chair that shows up down at golf maintenance and is trying to give him direction. Um, or you have board members or they ask that they want the director of golf maintenance coming to board meetings. I mean, I'm very fortunate here where we have, I have a lot of autonomy in my boards incredible um i had to earn all that trust but um from day one um, we've never had that micromanagement since i've been here where the boards 
that involved or the committees are that involved. We have like, for example, most clubs will have a golf committee and a greens and grounds committee. And we don't, we just have a golf committee that has greens and grounds as part of the, part of the committee. Um, so Jason and the director of golf maintenance both come to those meetings. So we just try to streamline things to, you know, members are there to be advisory and provide input on how to make the club better. And we have 14 members on that committee, but we also have a thousand fifty members. So we're not going to, take direction from them or we're doing something wrong uh, if they have to tell us how to do it. So, I mean, I think more and more GMs in this business realize that they are executives and realize that they, you know, it's not just saying, oh, I'm the CEO and I'm going to run it. You got to build that trust. You got to earn it. And um, I think once you do, man, it makes that relationship so much easier. There's no one in the middle. That's the way, we, that's why our relationship's so successful is there's no one in the middle trying to tell him what to do. And then he's got to try to make sure he tells me what they told him. And it just, it starts and stops with the two of us. And if I know where, I know where our boundaries are and I tell him if I need to go talk to the board and get approval on something. Well, I think that's a great point to end on that it's all about trust, um, earning that and maintaining it. And I think that's a great point for any relationship and certainly in the workplace. So I thank you guys so much for joining us today and giving us an insight into what's coming down the pike for the club. It sounds amazing. Um, we would love to visit your Lakeshore, that your, your Lakeshore Pavilion sounds phenomenal for, for me um, to visit. And we hope to have that opportunity sometime in the future. So we can't thank you enough for taking time out of your day and sharing a little bit with us. And we look forward to seeing how your projects wrap up. Please uh, share us some pictures and information. We'd love to, to share that with our listeners and with our readers of club management as well. For sure. Thank you, Melissa. We'd love to have you come visit anytime. Absolutely. We're going to add you to our course. We're planning a tour, so we'll add you to the stops. There you go. Do a tour. Birmingham's an amazing place. Thank you. This segment of the podcast has been brought to you by Toro, a CMAA business partner. What matters most to you matters most to us. It's more than equipment. It's an investment in your golf course, in member satisfaction, and in peace of mind. At Toro, we're passionate about delivering the most innovative products in the business to help you navigate through labor challenges, regulatory pressures, and escalating operating expenses, which is why you can always count on Toro for dependable equipment backed by the very best local distributor support so you can provide the outstanding experience your members expect. Because what matters most to you matters most to us. Learn more at Toro.com. All right. Well, that was a great conversation and it was a continuation of a little quarterly series we've been doing um, alongside our, our friends at Toro. Um, so you can expect another couple of conversations like what you've just listened to in the future. Um, it's really fun getting to explore that relationship between GM and, you know, the, the head of golf because it each club has a different dynamic and it's important. I think it's really cool to kind of capture you know, how these working relationships have re really are grown and fostered and ultimately how that can benefit the club, you know, the staff as well as the members. So um, we are appreciative to David and Jason for uh, joining us today and to our friends at Toro for connecting us. Absolutely. All right, Melissa, what else do we need to cover today? Well, we just want to share about some great uh, new um, activities and events coming up this fall. Um, first off, we have the 
club leadership summits. Uh, our past listeners are familiar with this series, which really allows uh, a club's chief executive officer, uh, general manager, COO, to um, take part in cooperative education with their board members. So whether it's the club president or your entire board. And last year we did these virtually and this year we're going to have two great opportunities. First of all will be a virtual opportunity coming up in September. Um, so you can attend from anywhere where you have an internet connection. That's going to be September 9th. Um, and uh, then we have the opportunity coming up in November to visit the beautiful Beach Point Club up in Memoronek, New York, which is one of my all-time favorite clubs. Um, special shout out to our friend Randy Reuter up there. Um, it is a beautiful club right on the sound. You, you really couldn't get a better, uh, better opportunity. So that's the in-person opportunity. It's a one-day event. So check out cma.org, find out more information and get yourself registered. Yeah, I mean, we have those two events coming up this fall. We also have a busy slate of BMI uh, courses this fall. Um, I was working on the Outlook calendar <laughs> for our last edition of the Outlook newsletter, and I, we were putting in all of these new upcoming dates for future events, and there's a lot. So if you're if you're you know looking for some some professional development opportunities, um, or if you're trying to get your BMIs completed, please go check out our calendar and, and see what's available. A lot of things are filling up quickly as per usual, um, but we've got a lot on the calendar and uh, it's gonna it's gonna be a busy, busy fall. That is for is. sure. Um, and we'll have more to talk about yeah, in our next edition, the more announcements uh, forthcoming. Um, you know, I, I did wanna take a moment before we sign off today on the podcast to um, remember one of our dear coworkers and friends, Michael Mensa. he passed away last week and, uh, you know, Michael was such a special person. And those of you who've been a part of CMA for a long time probably know Michael. He was a member, you know, he was a member of our team for 26 years. It's really incredible. Um, and he brought a lot to this association. He brought a lot to the club foundation. Um, he always had made us laugh. I just, I just wanted to take a moment, a little moment just to re remember Michael and uh, just, think to myself, if Michael was sitting here right now, what would he do? And it would be, he would make some sarcastic, funny remark under his breath, very quietly. <laughs> but uh, anyways, this this is our just our little brief recognition of our friend Michael. Um, we will miss him very, very much. And we send our thoughts and our prayers to his family and uh, anyone who knew him and was touched by him. So thank you, Michael. We're going to miss you. All right. Now that we've done that, <laughs> um, I okay. think that wraps us up for this episode. Um, it's, a, it's a short one, but um, we will get back to it in the rest of May <laughs> when we dive into things about National Golf Day. And... and Next month is Mental Health Awareness right. Month, and so we have a special guest to talk about that, and we also hope that um, very soon in your mailboxes you'll be receiving the May-June edition of Club Management Magazine. A lot of great information about that, but we'll be diving into mental health, uh, what you need to know as an employer, and how to have those conversations when you notice a member of your team might be struggling. 
yep, it's complicated, but we're really excited to be able to share um, that edition of the magazine and our conversation with our upcoming mental health professional. So stay tuned. Until then, <laughs> I'm Kyle. That's Melissa. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk Club Management. We will talk to you again soon. Bye. Be well. Take care. The Let's Talk Club Management podcast is a podcast of the Club Management Association of America. Since 1927, CMAA has been the largest professional association for managers of membership clubs throughout the U.S. and internationally. The objectives of the association are to promote relationships between club management professionals and other similar professions, to encourage the education and advancement of members, and to provide the resources needed for efficient and successful club operations. Under the covenants of professionalism, education, leadership, and community, CMAA continues to extend its reach as the leader in the club management practice. CMAA is headquartered in Alexandria, Virginia, with more than 40 professional chapters and more than 40 student chapters and colonies. Please learn more at www.cmaa.org. Org.